Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Bear Talk podcast. I'm your host DD and joining me once again today is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode we'll be talking about the Hungarian GP. So, let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions and dive right into the conversation. What a way to close the first half of the Formula 1 2021 season Vedant. An epic race. Um no one saw this coming. Uh I just I just know what to say. So many heartwarming storylines you know coming out of this race weekend uh Esteban Ocon winning his first ever formula 1 GP uh Williams scoring their first points after 735 days and not just points good points double points both for Nicholas uh, Latifi and George Russell you know a total of 6 points moving them to P8 um not so great for Red Bull but uh great recovery drive from Lewis Hamilton Ferrari having uh you know a roller coaster for weekend McLaren not doing that great but all in all the championship is closer than ever it's almost like uh, all the points have been reset and yeah. the rivals still remain just as close to each other um and we this next month is going to be the longest month of this year uh you know i just can't i just i just can't you know not be racing can't not see f1 season the way it has been shaping up so far and I mean you can hear me it's hard to get the words out of my mouth right now there's so much going on in my head and I'm still buzzing from the race that just finished about an hour ago uh I mean oh my god what are your thoughts because I know I know you texted me in the middle of the race you're like hey man you know I I'm I'm starting to feel sleepy here a little bit and I was like what on earth are you talking about <laughs> but what are your reactions after the race with on well in my defense I was feeling sleepy because of you know not sleeping properly for the past two days but see in in the starting of the season we said that this can be a competitor to the 2012 season we had in formula 1 right the most competitive the most competitive season in formula 1 in recent history now of course we won't have seven we didn't have seven different winners in seven the first seven races and we probably won't have seven different winners throughout the season but the number of storylines coming out of this season in formula 1 the action the drama the you know as you said the heartwarming stories and everything coming out of this season only the first half of the season absolutely makes it one of my favorite seasons so far absolutely and we will definitely be reviewing the first half of the season uh, in a couple weeks when you know we've put everything together when we are a little more distant from everything that has happened and we can make <laughs> a cool and calm uh, you know uh analysis you know do a cool calm analysis of what has happened so far but let's talk about the hungarian gp the scenes on the second restart just one car starting the race from uh you know the grid itself the entire field was in the pits uh for the second restart but but let's not let's not jump that far let's let's talk you know in a little bit of an order let's talk about mercedes first uh obviously a lot of headlines coming uh, out of the mercedes garage uh, a little bit for the wrong reasons definitely a very memeable race for them uh, from the general <laughs> public but a great recovery from Lewis Hamilton but let's talk about Valtteri Bottas first qualified well you know first uh, first uh, you know front row lockout for Mercedes in a long long time yeah uh, Valtteri Bottas put it in P2 after qualifying great stuff from him Mercedes definitely made a step forward there were still questions about how good Mercedes would be around you know a slower medium speed track but they have come out and showed us that they have the piece uh, they have the pace to beat red bull um on any track going forward however that report has misjudging that turn one under wet conditions and just plowing into lando norris max verstappen and sergio perez taking out both red bull seeing out the competition uh <laughs> for mercedes obviously you know uh that is the most memeable thing coming out of this weekend there's a lot going on on social media but you have to feel for valtteri bottas and you know uh the headspace he will be in now because obviously you know he he didn't do it on purpose he, he everyone wants to score points no one's you know crashing into each other um and we were very thankful that everybody came out unscathed from that incident but what is going on with that guy you know um just disappointing and i just don't know what to expect from him from the rest of the season now i guess you know mercedes will be thankful that both the red bulls got taken out basically and they could complete the race but this could have gone south really fast for mercedes from a constructors championship point of view this weekend yeah absolutely i mean valtteri bottas already is in so much pressure regarding that mercedes seat for next season right 
and with inst- and i mean he's not having his best season so far and with instances like these it it will definitely add a lot more pressure and a lot more you know self doubt or whatever you know mental mental instability in a sense for valtteri but we know he's a strong guy obviously he he had a bad start bad launch and i guess he just tried to make the best out of turn 1 and braked a little later than someone would have had like uh, had he gotten a better launch but yeah tricky conditions taking out lando and then uh, max pretty pretty yeah i mean pretty ugly for turn 1 incidents absolutely and you know uh, the very fact that he took out all of his rivals uh, just made it worse from yeah. like a social media yeah, I mean, point of view perez lando and uh, max so max the 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 fight for p3 still remains the fight for p3 absolutely no one scored any points yeah. for the <laughs> fight, uh, for the fight in in the fight for p3 um however for me uh, you know uh, after seeing what Bottas did uh, on the race restart i think that was the last nail in the coffin for me regarding Bottas' seat at mercedes next year he might be the best teammate he might not be lewis's direct rival he might be a great team player but at the end of the day mercedes do need someone who can score points every race and not uh, you know just every now and then and battery was that man for mercedes uh, for the for the last few years however looking at this season and looking at you know how last season ended and things like that it doesn't seem like valtteri can continue in that seat for much longer uh definitely a little bit harsh but uh you know mercedes is a world same time world championship winning team and uh they want the best in their team uh and nothing less yeah i i totally agree with you there and i think i i mean i texted you that he's not that 2015 uh, valtteri of, of from the williams team, team anymore right in that car in the williams obviously the williams was successful in those first few years of the turbo turbo hybrid era and valtteri was quick and that's why mercedes picked him and then you know 2017 2018 2019 valtteri was there and thereabouts he was competing with lewis himself beating him at you know qualifying and and races on merit most uh, like some of the times but as you said the last 365 days have not been the best valtteri bottas we have seen in formula 1 and i mean races like today and you know last season we had uh, the the turkish grand prix and i mean even imola you know uh, at the very beginning yeah, of this year just exactly. to show how tricky how much valtteri bottas struggles you know in the wet condition especially when he's in the middle of the pack we saw that last year in monza Uh, and in a couple more races when he got stuck in the middle of the pack and he couldn't make places up uh, so yeah that just goes to show that valtteri doesn't really have the beans anymore to stay in that mercedes seat and make you know uh, make progress absolutely and looking at george russell's interviews on thursday when you know wilbuxton and all these people were grilling him about that seat george was grinning and grinning hard so i think he knows yeah, something So yeah, it's just a matter of days now. Definitely, everyone jumped on that straight away after the Thursday, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, interviews, and then everybody was uh, on social media talking about uh, how George Russell is moving to Mercedes. But you know, make what you will of that. Uh, we'll only know once the official announce- announcement comes through. But Absolutely. I'd be lying if I didn't say you know it just seems more and more likely that um, George Russell might be moving to Mercedes. Um, but at least you know that Valtteri Bottas won't be at Mercedes for next year. It just seems more and more likely. But enough about Valtteri Bottas. Let's talk about his teammate Lewis Hamilton finally leading the World Championship uh, by six points going into the summer break. Great stuff from him. But not the easiest race for Lewis Hamilton. Looked a bit dizzy. Uh, you know, uh, a bit shaken after the race. In the uh, post-race interview, he did come out and say uh, it was just fatigue, and he was still feeling the effects of COVID that he contracted last year. and he said on the podium he almost got dizzy and everything became a little bit of a blur which is why he had to take a moment for himself and couldn't celebrate like he would have usually so i hope he's feeling better and i hope he recovers um, over the summer break and he's back to you know his peak physical fitness but made the wrong call you know uh, lewis hamilton made the wrong call uh, at the start of the race uh, you know for the restart uh, although he i think he was the only one who started in the top 10 who went unscathed 
except um, Esteban Ocon, Ocon yeah. uh, during the first race start and then during the after the red flag restart um, made the wrong call started on the inters only person to start from the grid and then had to come in and then basically went to the back of the pack P14 absolutely uh, and then had to uh, you know restart his race basically you know uh, do make his race recovery from there uh, from lap 2 onwards but you got to give it to mercedes what a strategy masterstroke from them uh, you know after the blunder they made during the restart that two lap uh, sorry the two stop the two stop strategy worked wonders and basically caught everyone off guard on the grid when they you know pitted Lewis Hamilton on lap 20 the first person to pit uh, you know amongst the regular st- strategy i guess but definitely caught a lot of people off guard, off guard especially red bull max verstappen was ahead during that uh, stint but uh, you know red bull reacted to lewis hamilton and lewis hamilton undercut them uh, during the first round of pit stop similarly with daniel ricardo you know uh, mclaren tried to cover uh, lewis's pit stop with Dan- daniel pitting the very next lap but couldn't do so lewis hamilton's outlap was just insane uh, i mean that just goes to show you know that must how how well mercedes function and how much like you know why they are uh, you know a seven time world championship winning team again and again there's a lot of times like we were talking in a couple podcasts before that mercedes have made multiple mistakes this season uh, we talked about valtteri bottas's you know botched up pit stop some strategy calls earlier in the season but this just goes to so show that both lewis hamilton and mercedes have bounced back like they always do during the midway point of the season absolutely and i mean obviously even the biggest of teams make mistakes as they have made over the course of the season so far but it's races like these and you know spain when they executed executed that two stopper it's it's races like these that just show you how smart mercedes is and i mean they can outsmart everybody and they deserve to be the seven time defending world champions But absolutely and you know the the way mercedes handled the situation you would say that uh, after after the carnage that happened on lap 1 red bull were caught off guard and they they were on the back foot from there on but even though mercedes went on the back foot after what happened during the restart you know making that bad strategy call regarding the tires uh, mercedes came back and they took the race to the rest of the field instead of just you know sitting there and trying to react to what other people were doing like most of the other teams like red bull uh, you know alfatori and mclaren who were ahead of them at that point of time so that just goes to show uh, what mercedes are made of and what lewis hamilton really do you know on the second second set of mediums that he had after the second round of pit stops yeah. he had some blistering pace about two and a half seconds faster than anyone else on the grid that time but um although he finished p3 he definitely got some uh, you know uh he was booed uh, after qualifying after his you know in uh, i don't know i want to say after what he did but after what happened in qualifying because he completely you know came out and said hey i didn't do anything on purpose that was my pace during the last lap of qualifying which is a little hard to buy for myself too and just seeing that those were the tactics that he was you know that was the game that he was playing on track at that point of time i won't buy the fact that lewis hamilton's uh q3 you know last quality lap was a second and a half slower than his first run <laughs> in q3 even if he did not do a great warm up lap and uh you know the outlap itself was very very you know uh, tactical in a way to say uh you know getting uh, not allowing max verstappen to warm up his rubber and then you know keeping max verstappen in his wake the entire time during the flying lap um, while also being slower during that lap and i think uh, i think a couple of drivers came out on social media including uh, Roman Grosjean and said you know that is just not uh, sportsman like or something along those lines to which Lewis Hamilton said uh, you know I did my best on track and I don't know what you're talking about or you know these guys don't know what they're talking about something along those lines uh, but again I'm not going to buy the fact that Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton were not playing games with Red Bull during that last quali lap but what are your thoughts on it well obviously there were games and I mean Lewis Hamilton was slower in the pit lane itself you know when they were going for that final run absolutely so he was slow in the pit lane itself max verstappen managed to start his lap but sergio perez couldn't uh it's like what you know uh, what happened to lewis hamilton back in 2007 when uh, fernando alonso didn't allow him to make that lap so i think he was just uh, playing it back 
but I agree with you. It was not. I mean, it was on purpose, and obviously the the booing and the abuse was not right. And we don't. I think it was uncalled it. for because I mean, I get I get the fact that people did not like what Lewis Hamilton did. I personally thought it was it wasn't like a great way to you know uh, you know get P one. I would have loved to see Max Verstappen challenge for P one uh, in that last uh, last flying lap. But like Christian Horner said in the in the post quality you know press conference when Toto Wolff and Christian Horner were uh, you know uh, sat down together and they were asked about questions about you know Silverstone and the qualifying itself and Christian Horner said that hey uh, it's just tactics it's a part of the game it's part of the sport so no hard feelings there if we we were in the same position we would, we might have done the same thing so that just goes to show that uh, no respect has been lost and both teams understand that this is just a part of the game and. As much as fans don't like it, um, I don't think you know booing was really the way to go uh, to you know be disrespectful or whatever the fans were trying to convey. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm I'm glad that you know Christian Horner has taken a step down and calmed himself because I mean he was hyped up after Silverstone, uh, even in that you know uh, the review that he called uh, the for for Hamilton's. Hamilton's penalty, the evidence that they provided was not treated as uh, sufficient by the stewards, and it was. I mean, Red Red Bull did go over the top with you know getting Alex Albon in the car and trying to trying to recreate the lines that Lewis Hamilton took um, du- during you know the incident with Verstappen and otherwise, uh, which is a bit too far. And you know FIA came out and said that the evidence was not discovered but rather created exactly. in a sense, so and that was not acceptable. Yeah, so which is kind of goofy in my opinion, you know, a little bit too far. Yeah, exactly, exactly my point. You know, those are the those are not the things we expect from these uh, teams and these championship winning teams. But I'm glad that uh, Christian Horner has calmed down a bit, and hopefully this summer break and the added motivation to come back and fight harder will incur like will bring out the best in him. That was not the best. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. But I was surprised that they went after Lewis Hamilton. I, I thought they were gonna go after Mercedes in general and ask for you know either like a comp- like a financial compensation or like a reduction in budget for Mercedes, uh, given how much damage you know the damages that that was the damage that was caused to Max Verstappen's car and you know some sort of penalty regarding power unit usage and things like that. Because uh, we'll talk about this later. But Max Verstappen was on his third power unit going into the race uh, this weekend. Uh, they swapped out the power unit again after Honda, uh, you know, discovered some issues with the PU after qualifying. So going into the race, uh, uh, Max Verstappen essentially uses third power unit for the year. Uh, but just to stir the pot a little bit before we close out our discussion on Mercedes. Um, so you know, after today's incident, Bottas' incident, uh, Bottas got a five-place grid penalty for Spa and two penalty points on his, uh, you know, uh, on his license basically. But Lewis Hamilton after last weekend. Uh, after last week's incident, got only a 10-second time penalty and no penalty points on his license, which is uh, really, really surprising because uh, we remember, you know, Landon Norris and Sergio Perez got the same penalty points. Uh, not as much of a penalty in terms of, you know, a grid penalty or time penalty. Time penalty was the same as what Lewis Hamilton got. But they did get um, penalty points on their license after the incidents in Austria. But Lewis Hamilton did not get any of that. And... I think there are a lot of fans asking about that um, right now, and even going into the weekend, I think there was conversation about it. Yeah, well, as we have said over and over again, FIA have been consistently inconsistent this season. Uh, obviously, the incidents were quite different. The conditions today were quite different. So, I mean, obviously, we can't compare them apples to apples, but uh, I guess. But the thing is, like the same article, like you know, the same rule and reg- rules and regulations were quoted by the FIA in the in their documents for all of the incidents throughout those three race weekends. So why is there a difference in the way the penalties have been given up? Uh, I guess the severity of the penalty in terms of grid penalties and time penalties can be understood uh, based on the severity of the incident and how much in control and not in control. You know, the severity of the way the drivers you know made that error basically, or how much of an error it was, forced or unforced. Um, but on the same hand, uh, regarding the penalty points on the license, I, I believe Lewis Hamilton should have should have had a couple penalty points on his license, especially since the stewards 
deemed that it was more of his mistake and penalized him for the same thing uh, that weekend. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but then again, as I said, we have seen the inconsistency over and over again. I don't know what it is that causes it. Obviously, the stewards change every race weekend. The driver stewards change every race weekend, so it may be something regarding that. But as we have discussed earlier, you know, FIA needs to be more consistent in that in the in the in their penalties because once they are con- consistent everyone will accept those penalties and as as long as they are inconsistent people will continue to challenge uh, all the penalties they get absolutely but you know you got to give it to hamilton too uh this man definitely does get a little more lucky than all his competitors <laughs> Uh, every season and so far this season he has definitely been more lucky than Max Verstappen who's had a string of bad luck first in Baku uh, then last weekend and once again today after his shunt with Valtteri Bottas uh, finishing P10 so salvaging one point at the end of the day uh, not much uh, for Red Bull either since Perez also got you know uh, DNF after the very first uh, first lap first corner incident but Perez also talked about damage to his engine after the first lap incident. So Red Bull should be really worried about all the damage, not not just in terms of cost, but in terms of penalty going into the second half of the season. Because like we talked earlier, you know, what's happened is on his third engine, basically, he might be able to use his second PU again that uh, he didn't go use in, into this race weekend. But if Perez is already into, you know, his third, some of his components are the third iteration, you know, the third unit going into Belgium uh, and Italy, that might not bode well for the end of the season for Red Bull and when, you know, the championship is at its very peak. Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, the penalties for the uh, components on one hand and especially for this season, I think the impact on the cost cap is even greater than, you know, the impacts that those penalties bring, in my opinion. But... I, it, it's it's just bad. I mean, not just Max Verstappen, you know, Red Bull in in their all have been more unlucky than, than Mercedes. Um, uh, absolutely. But both Mercedes and Red Bull will be pushing the upper limit of the cost cap uh, as we get towards the end of the season. However, the only thing I, I would say, you know, that I really liked from this weekend uh, in terms of Red Bull and Mercedes was uh, that Max and Lewis still share the mutual respect. We saw them fist bumping after the qualifying session, even though Max finished only P3. Uh, after what you know, after the games that Lewis played and Mercedes played out on track uh, during the end of end of that session, but yeah, you know, great to see Max shutting down uh, all the reporters and you know the social media people who were asking him about the shunt from last weekend, and he just said, you know, he's had enough of it and it's time to move on. And he's moved on and he's looking forward. And it's really good to see Max being that calm frame of mind, you know, being really mature and in a way acting like a world champion, you know, just looking ahead and concentrating on the task at hand and what needs to be done in order to uh, win this championship. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think the mutual respect between the championship contenders is very important because in 2016, we saw even like they were teammates, uh, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton. And even then, the mutual respect was almost close to zero, right? And Absolutely. And we were talking about, you know, after last week, we were talking about how the game is on, how, you know, this is the breaking point in the season. But it doesn't look like it. It seems like Max and Lewis are still uh, on the same page. They're not fighting each other. And they're still, you know, um, they might play whatever games they might play on, on track. But off the track, they still, uh, you know, share the same respect for each other as they did before the Silverstone weekend. Well, Toto and Christian are fighting each other more than Max and Lewis. So, yeah. I, you know, we, we've all seen, you know, Christian and Toto have a flair for the dramatic <laughs> a little bit, especially all through all the Netflix Drive to Survive seasons and what you've seen, from especially from Christian Horner, you know, when uh, with everything that happened with Renault a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, we, we all know that he's got a little bit... All, all of the team principals have a little bit of flair for the, for the dramatic. But enough for the, uh, you know... Uh, the top of the championship, enough talk about Mercedes and Red Bull. Mercedes are definitely uh, leading the constructors by 10 points. Lewis leading Max by 6 points. Let's talk about the P3 fight in the championship. Ferrari and McLaren. McLaren coming away with absolutely no points this weekend. 
and Ferrari coming away with a good haul of points uh, thanks to you know Carlos Sainz I think what uh, 10 points and closing 12, a, a, closing the gap to yeah 12 points and closing the gap to uh, McLaren to just 3 points and Ferrari stood at 160 whereas McLaren at 163 you, you were talking about the championship was on I think this is much much closer than anyone else you know um, Leclerc obviously DNF just being a passenger in that shunt with Lance Stroll although Lance Stroll did try to take avoiding action and as a result you know he tried to avoid crashing into Ocon who was eventually the race winner today but uh, couldn't do well enough to also avoid Charles Leclerc um, on the inside of turn one but great race from Sainz Carlos Sainz didn't just drive a great race he was also his own strategist yeah. and he was more on top of things than his race engineers as we've seen from you know the Seb good old days with Seb yeah. and Ferrari where Seb was Seb was also in charge of his race strategy well Carlos Sainz did replace you know uh, Sebastian Vettel so <laughs> the responsibilities come with the seat right but, absolutely I mean Carlos Sainz had the pace he, he made up a he made up quite a few places uh, in the initial start with you know with all the front runners crashing out basically and the restart obviously the and, and the subsequent pit stops he lost a few places in the pits yeah, yeah. and then he got stuck behind uh, Yuki Tsunoda and especially Nicholas Latifi exactly uh, for the first 20 25 laps and that really cost him uh, lap time uh, which he could have made he could have probably been on the back of you know Sebastian Vettel and Esteban Ocon throughout his first stint which would have helped him a lot towards the you know towards the end of the race but obviously that was not the case however i guess like the uh, like the question that comes out of Carlos Sainz's race this weekend was you know could Carlos Sainz have finished p3 had he undercut or overcut hamilton you know uh, responded to hamilton's second pit stop um, what do you think about that because obviously after the po- you know in the post race interview Carlos talked about how lewis pushed him after the first round of pit stops yeah. and uh, you know he didn't have tires left towards the end of the race, which is why he couldn't really fight Lewis Hamilton uh, when he came when he when he eventually passed Fernando Alonso, uh, and he was also you know saving a lot of fuel because of his battle with Lewis Hamilton uh, during the middle stages of the race. Well, definitely, and I mean, had the, had the race gone on for a few more laps, even two more laps, even Fernando Alonso could have you know overtaken Carlos Sainz because he was within. Uh, the one second, Half a second exactly yep. so definitely he could have you know played that two swap strategy game because they they had seen that lewis hamilton was playing it and it it could pay off um see i, I don't agree with you i think you know uh, Ferrari took the right decision to keep carlos Sainz out there because had carlos so had carlos Sainz split after lewis hamilton i don't think there was a chance that carlos would have uh, overcut lewis hamilton anyway he would have come out behind lewis hamilton and he would have to race both Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso to get P3. But had Carlos Sainz also undercut Lewis Hamilton and had stayed ahead of Lewis Hamilton, he would have still come out behind Fernando Alonso. And I don't think uh, Carlos Sainz would have had the pace uh, to you know uh, overtake Fernando Alonso throughout the rest of the race because Lewis Hamilton was a second and a two and a half seconds faster than yeah. Fernando Alonso and still struggled for more than 10 laps before he could finally overtake Alonso. And he could only do that because Fernando Alonso made a mistake going to turn one. He locked up his wheels, went wide, and that's why, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton was able to make that overtake. And I just don't think um, Carlos Sainz would have been in a position in that Ferrari, uh, would have, you know, he wouldn't have had that pace advantage uh, to overtake Fernando Alonso had he made that pit stop. So I think that was a great call from Ferrari to keep Carlos Sainz uh, on the same set of tyres, not make him pit again. And hope for the best towards the end of the race. I mean, see, after crashing out in Q2, finishing P4 is a great result in itself, right? And we are talking about battles, you know, championship battles. The intra-Ferrari teammate battle is net zero right now. Both, Absolutely. Both of them are at 80 points. So this is another battle to look out for. In a way, because while Charles Leclerc has been the faster of the two, he has been more inconsistent and rather unlucky. And Carlos Sainz has been, you know, picking up points uh, every every race. So, 80 all. Let's see what, what goes ahead. Um, absolutely. But again, disappointing weekend for McLaren. No points. Daniel Ricciardo did 
was running in the point for the majority of the race, but lost out to Max Verstappen towards the very end. Uh, now, obviously, people have come out and said, you know, that this was a disappointing weekend for Daniel. Uh, he didn't perform as well as we thought, especially after that weekend in Silverstone. But in my opinion, uh, this is where Dan, Dan Ricciardo is, you know. Uh, people in Silverstone thought, again, you know, I'll make the same argument again that I made uh, that I made after Barcelona. Um, although I did say after Silverstone that it seems like Daniel Ricciardo has made a step in the right direction. And I think that step was still visible because his race pace was on par. He was keeping up with the cars ahead of him. And there was nothing more he could do because the McLaren doesn't have enough pace in it against, you know, Alfa Tauri's and uh, Ferraris or any of those other teams to be able to overtake around Hungary whereas Max even the damaged car apparently had enough pace towards the end of the end of the race so I think Daniel did all he could maybe he could have defended for that last point a little harder but I think that was the weekend we could have expected definitely in qualifying he could get you know do a little bit more work Uh, but other than that I think uh, uh, Daniel Ricciardo was performed what what I expected out of him you know he didn't over deliver he didn't under deliver at least for me so I wouldn't say that you know uh, that Daniel Ricciardo didn't make a step I wouldn't say that Daniel Ricciardo didn't make a step in Silverstone well I mean definitely the race was quite good because he was defending he was defending Max Verstappen uh, for a majority of the race eventually he lost out but you know he was still right there and he knows that he needs to work on qualifying because that's where he lacks throughout the season. So, uh, like, summer break, refresh your batteries. We have Spa and Monza. Again, two circuits the drivers know very well. So, it... And while... Like, see, Hungary was one of the trickiest circuits on the, on the uh, calendar, right? Spa and Monza are not as tricky. And it it might be easier for Daniel to you know again uh, get into the get groove, into the group, group right, and right. Uh, find some pace absolutely. And that was that is the championship battle for P three in the constructors championship. Now let's talk about P five. We going into the Hungarian uh, GP, you know, in a Hungarian GP preview, we said that Alpine look uh, look look like the best team to finish P five this season, and uh, you know they're already P five in the championship by six. Uh, by not six by nine points you know they're they're sitting at 75 points alpine uh nine points ahead of aston martin and 11 points ahead of alpha tori even before i talk about esteban ocon's win and how emotional and how you know what what a storyline that is let's talk about the defensive masterclass (laughs) that fernando alonso put on today for the world to see i mean i was just speechless like I was on the edge of my seat for 20 laps watching uh, Fernando Alonso defend from Lewis Hamilton and it was, for some reason, it was really painful to see Fernando Alonso make that mistake and let Lewis Hamilton through. It was. I just didn't want that to happen (laughs) at all. Uh, It was more painful than, you know, watching Lewis Hamilton overtake Carlos Sainz, but man, what a show from Fernando Alonso and you have to give it to that guy, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say that Esteban Ocon's win is because of Fernando Alonso, but a part of it, you know, He's got to give credit to Fernando Alonso and the defensive driving show that he put on uh, to make sure that Esteban could get home without having to uh, battle Lewis Hamilton for the win. I mean, I was beaming for 15 laps and while when Hamilton overtook uh, Fernando, I was a little sad. But, I mean, it was just the level of you know effort and commitment Fernando put in. Because he knew fighting for P4 at the moment. And that was his best result in like, this season. This, this season. And that was Alpine's best result in, in a long while, you know, including Renault. So, absolutely mesmerizing. Scintillating yeah. from, yeah, absolutely scintillating. From Fernando Alonso, and I think I think people, you know, uh, obviously, like I was one of the skeptics when Fernando Alonso came back, and I'm, you know, back on the Fernando Alonso hype train. <laughs> but I think for those who who weren't watching Formula One, bef- you know, when Fernando Alonso was at the top of his game, whether that was back in 05, 06, or during his years at Ferrari, uh, and especially for youngsters who have started watching Formula One now, you know, uh, teenagers, this is what Fernando Alonso was, and you know, I think it's a great opportunity for them to see what. 
a two-time world champion Fernando why Fernando Alonso although he's only a two-time world champion is regarded still so highly you know uh maybe even over Sebastian Vettel by a lot of people and on par with you know the greatest that there there have been in formula 1 uh it just goes to show how much how how insane a racing driver Fernando Alonso is in general and you know I texted you during the race that I think we just have to wait for Fernando Alonso to write a book on how to defend from <laughs> Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes uh, so that the rest of the grid can read that and hopefully you know give Lewis a harder time on track but definitely insane now let's talk about Esteban Ocon what an I think like you know this is one of those milestones in his journey obviously every every driver remembers their first win but uh Esteban Ocon you know he's he's not your usual F1 driver he's got a huge you know His his story is really really heartwarming in general the way he has been sacrificed for him to come to formula 1 and for him to finally win his first formula 1 race uh it's just it's just awesome you know and there's there's not much you can say about it Esteban Ocon's last win came in GP3 in 2015 so it's been 6 years since his last win since his last win and Esteban Ocon also became the first French driver to win for a French team with a French engine after Alain Prost So you know and unfortunately Alan Prost was not there uh with the Alpine team there this weekend and he also gave Renault their first Renault group their first victory in Formula 1 uh ever since their return during the turbo hybrid era but what an emotional day you know reminds me of the first time Gasly won his first F1 Grand Prix last year and you know similar such instances when Charles Leclerc won a couple of years ago uh and everything alike but oh my god the scenes for him at Hungary and for the Alpine team just so emotional and heartwarming i mean the journey of alpine and renault in this era has been too long and we saw cyril abitable you know depart renault because they couldn't achieve what they were planning to what they hoped for and they have finally got that race win obviously it's in you know strange circumstances and but we can't take that away from them they had the car they had the pace they had the driver and i mean seb was on it for you know one mistake from esteban and he could have lost the win to seb pretty pretty easily seb was on esteban's rear wing uh for the entirety of the 70 laps that he was out there and there was no respite for esteban uh from the pressure that seb was putting on him so It was, you know, it was a scintillating drive out in front from Esteban. The way he led the race, the way he managed his pace, the way he managed tires, and the way he defended from, uh, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel whenever he put a charge on. So that was great to watch from Esteban, and we've never really seen Esteban in the lead. We saw Esteban finish second last year, I think, uh, or third. Uh, yeah. uh, in Sakhir, I think third when Sergio won. Yeah, yeah, yep. The second or third when Sergio won, or something like that. and uh you know but we've never seen him lead from the front and that just goes to show and i think there was some comment from the alpine ceo there were rumors of some comment that alpine alpine ceo came out and said before the weekend that esteban ocon might not be world champion material you know uh and i think the win couldn't have come at a better time for esteban ocon going into the summer break shutting up all his credit especially after the you know bad string of races he had uh, at the french and austrian gp uh, and after he you know especially after he slipped down the points um compared to his teammate Fernando Alonso so you know great stuff that's that's all i have to say yeah i'm i mean as you said his story is inspiring and i was a Sergio Perez fan in in their you know the racing, racing point, point days. days so i didn't quite like Esteban Ocon at that time but i was happy and i mean i i couldn't believe myself that i was happy with Esteban Ocon winning winning a Grand Prix but absolutely a brilliant drive from Esteban because Sebastian when you have a four-time world champion behind you a recharged four-time world champion I shall say and he's pressuring you he's within a second and a half throughout the race you can't put a foot wrong and Esteban Ocon did just that he did not put a foot wrong and I mean he just showed you that he deserves his place and he deserves that three year extension that he got at alpine absolutely and i think there was a uh, there was a nice post from mercedes uh, that said you know we always believed in you champ uh, you know uh, referring to esteban ocon and his win today so that was really nice to see too uh, but 
Esteban Ocon leads Fernando Alonso in the Drivers' Championship <laughs> by three points are going into the summer break. So take that, Miran. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, he has a win. Face. He has a win. <laughs> but this was definitely a team effort today from Alpine, and it was great to see you know Fernando wait for Esteban. Uh, yes. Esteban obviously parked his car, uh, you know, at the end of the pit lane, having gone <laughs> gone around twice. Uh, and you know, Esteban ha- was running back to the podium. So all the scenes with Seb and, also running from the other side of the pit lane yeah, to the podium. It was it was so heartwarming because we could see Esteban hug almost every Alpine team really? member, right? And Absolutely. he 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 made it a point to you know acknowledge everybody. And obviously, Fernando waited for him while he was hugging everybody. So definitely a great a great team environment there. Yeah, and I think uh, in the post-race interview, Esteban also said that uh, a lot of people told him a lot of things about Fernando Alonso when Fernando Alonso joined the team, and all of those things were wrong about Fernando Alonso. Uh, so definitely a great, great. Uh, any, any, he called them, called him and Fernando uh, one of the best duos uh, that yeah. were in the making uh, yeah. <laughs> in, uh, right now. So you know, obviously, it goes to show how strong a partnership both of them share in that Alpine team, and I hope that partnership progresses. And, you know, I mean, going to 2022, we'd all love to see everyone at the top of the grid, you know, uh, competing like <laughs> we see in Formula E, basically, with a different winner every weekend. Yep. So hopefully we can see that happen. But now let's talk about uh, P- P6 in the championship, Aston Martin. Vettel drove brilliantly once again uh, throughout the entire race. Uh, but I'd say that slow pit stop definitely cost him a chance at the win. Uh, his outlap was brilliant when Esteban Ocon came out of the pits. Uh, Vettel was less than a second behind Esteban and did give him a run for his money uh, through turns one to four. But had uh, you know Seb not had a slow pit stop like he did, uh, about I think it was like three point three seconds. It w- yeah. Had it been like you know two point six, two point five second pit stop, Seb would have definitely had a better, better chance uh, to take the lead of lead of the race after the first round of pit stops. So definitely a little bit disappointing for Seb. But, you know, Seb's been the news for all good things and uh, just happy for Seb in general. Yeah, I mean, the environment of that Aston Martin team just reflects, you know, Seb's temperament right now. And he is rejuvenated. He is recharged. He has new goals right now. And this is his second podium of the season, if I'm not wrong. And it's, yep, you're right. it, it just shows you that, you know, Seb Vettel is back where he belongs. the The car might might not be there, but Seb Vettel is is right there. Absolutely, I think it was Christian Hanna that said when uh, Seb's move to Aston Martin was announced that you know Seb will do well there because Seb likes the British way of going racing, yeah. <laughs> and that might just be it. Uh, but definitely, you know, when Seb came onto the Aston Martin team, not a, he didn't have great results in the first four or five races. Uh, but he's definitely bounced back and picked up the pieces whenever he has been able to, whether that was Monaco, whether that was Baku, or whether that was Hungary this weekend. And we hope to see Seb doing the same thing. Although I will go on a limb and say, uncharacteristic mistake from uh, a maestro in wet, Lance Stroll. Usually he's really good in the wet, very controlled. Uh, we've seen him lead, I think, last year in Turkey in, in wet conditions. Yes. But a uh, really he, uncharacteristic he mistake from Lance Stroll. Yeah. Absolutely. Very uncharacteristic mistake from Lance Stroll going to turn one today and crashing into, um, I think, uh, Charles Leclerc and Daniel Ricciardo, I think. Uh, So, you know, really, really disappointing for him, but hopefully uh, he'll bounce back. We've seen Lance Stroll not bounce back from such incidents before, uh, but hopefully, you know, that will not be the case after the summer break. Obviously, just like Valtteri Bottas, he does have the five-place grid penalty in Spa and uh, two penalty points on his license, but... uh, a lot more to come from Aston Martin. They did show great pace in Hungary, though, so I'm really happy about that. Definitely, and I mean, Lance Stroll is. I mean, people do question Lance Stroll, and but but he has shown that he deserves to be in Formula One, and it's just a you know matter of time that. I mean, he he has his performances and he has his downs, so it's just a matter of not staying down too long as you said absolutely but overall a good weekend for Alfa Tori who was just two points behind Aston Martin points for both uh, you know Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda uh, good to see Yuki Tsunoda have a have a decent weekend definitely did not have the have qualifying go his way 
But I think he kept it together during the race, and that is what we want to see from Red Bull Junior. Uh, you know, in the future, and I think Yuki Tsunoda is doing all the right things at the moment. Just needs to get more weekends together overall. Um, in in general, and Pierre Gasly definitely showed uh, the pace that that car has this weekend once again. Uh, but the good news, I think, the overall good news is that AlphaTauri had a double points finish, and I think that is what they need every weekend in order to you know fight for that P5 place in the constructors championship because at the moment Alpine are running away with it in a way because they came behind from 29 points a couple of weekends ago to uh, you know be be at 75 points in a matter of couple of weekends and you know uh, being that P5 position in the constructors championship something that AlphaTauri had been occupying for the first uh, first 8 9 rounds of the season yeah definitely the i mean we have we have we now have these blocks of you know championship contentions and while the top two are the most competitive this fight for p5 is is way more Im- way more important for these teams because the prize money that comes with it is way more important for for these teams right now and everyone i mean even the even few points make a huge difference so absolutely definitely but uh, let's talk about the new p8 team in the constructors <laughs> championship williams racing uh double points finish for williams like i said before uh you know 735 days since the last point scored this will be an emotional weekend for all of the williams employees who've been on this journey in the type turbo hybrid era uh, we've all seen them struggle and but finally some points for them this weekend uh George Russell got emotional and teary-eyed in his post-race interview which just goes to show how much you know um the Williams team means to him in general a lot of times people dismiss George Russell as someone who's just looking to you know make that next step to Mercedes who doesn't really you know care about Williams team in general but today's reactions after during the post-race interview just goes to show how much uh, the Williams team means to George Russell and how much scoring points for the Williams teams, the Williams team in three years, the for, for the first time in three years, means to him and uh, just very emotional. Nicholas Latifi obviously finishing in front of George, uh, something that was quite unexpected <laughs> and another heartwarming message from George during the race that, hey guys, you know, if since you know Latifi was running P3 at that point, George Russell came on the radio and said that if we have to compromise my race, in order to finish in the points, uh, you know, and have Nicholas do that for us, I will be happy to compromise my race and make the sacrifice that is required to get home some points for the team. So really, really heartwarming to see that from George Russell too. Uh, but again, that was not all. Uh, George Russell did make a cheeky move at the restart in the pits where he jumped from like P7 to P2 uh, because of the way the Williams, uh, you know, where the Williams pit box is positioned that allowed him to jump. But again, you know, uh, the race control came in and said, hey, you have to give back all the positions you made up uh, during, the, during the restart and uh, you have to draw back to P7 and then continue your race from there. But overall, massive weekend for Williams and I couldn't be happier for them. Well, definitely. I mean, Nicholas Latifi holding on to, you know, all the all those people charging on from behind. That would have been a massive, massive you know confidence boost for for him because even his place in williams is not secure right now and every single piece of performance and result just makes you know that decision uh, more convincing but george russell he has put in so much for this team 3 years finally getting those points and it's it's almost ironic because Hungary was the first time in this season where he didn't make it to Q2, right? Yes, yes. And then finishing in points. So, (laughs) absolutely a brilliant weekend. And George defended from everyone behind him beautifully throughout throughout the race. Whether it was Daniel Ricciardo, whether it was, you know, Max Verstappen. He always had someone on his tail for the entirety of the race and he still managed to finish P9. And similarly for Nicholas Latifi, like you said, you know, I think I texted you that Latifi was a wall in the race, yeah. uh, you know, holding up Yuki Tsunoda, holding up, Ch- uh, not Charles Clark, Carlos Sainz, holding up Fernando Alonso, and um, basically allowing o- 
Esteban Ocon and you know Seb Vettel to, to run uh, away exactly make make a gap run away with the with the race but Nicholas Latifi did all he could and again it goes to show that I think a lot of people have come out and said in support of Nicholas Latifi even before that on race pace Latifi is pretty close to George Russell but it is the qualifying that he can't get together and I think that just goes to show again today that that is where the issue lies and once Nicholas Latifi can get his qualifying together uh, we might see a very good contender in him uh, for it contender in him in F1 just in general for the future hard to say he'll be a world champion but definitely you know maybe someone like Alain Stroll or someone who can get get points for his team consistently throughout the course of the season absolutely and another meme worthy incident as you mentioned uh, when when George Russell said that hey I'll be willing to you know compromise my race so a lot of people on the internet just said see this was a message to toto that hey i am a team player you know this is my advertising for a team player so yeah um i i i don't know about that but uh, <laughs> on that note i was about to stir the pot when we were talking about alpine you know and fernando alonso and lewis hamilton uh it was kind of funny i guess listening to lewis hamilton complain about aggressive defensive driving at high speeds uh especially after his incident last weekend um just just something for the listeners something with the social media you know make what you will of that uh you know meme it boo whatever you want to do <laughs> i'm not going to tell you anything but just for me it was a little bit funny to hear lewis complain about it especially after he said you know he's he's going to put his foot down and what not um, but um just something just a little bit but coming back to the agenda at hand great weekend for williams we hope to see them score points again uh throughout the course of the season but the 5 point lead over uh, the 4 point lead over alfa romeo should be enough for the rest of the season in my opinion unless yeah. we have a race like we did today uh, alfa romeo definitely missed out on some uh, point scoring opportunities today after you know getting penalties for unsafe release for both their drivers uh, kind of absurd but you know i guess they were just not on the game today uh, could have been a you know could have been a point scoring race for them I mean, definitely gave it away to the to the Williams team. Yeah, I think Kimi Raikkonen did finish P11, right? So had he not had that 10 second penalty, there was potential to score a couple of points maybe. Yeah, I and not just that. I think they also had uh, issues with their pit stops for both Kimi and Giovinazzi. They had a slow stop for I think left front left for Kimi or something. Yeah, um, it's hard to recall right now, but they did have some issues there. Uh, and the last team on the grid, Haas. Mazepin DNF nothing much to talk about there uh but Schumacher ran in the points for quite quite a while and he did put up a good fight against Lewis Hamilton and everyone else uh you know Max Verstappen and he fought them hard uh tried to defend for the points so you know great to see him make there but definitely I think he had a shunt this weekend in yeah. practice yeah um so again you know not not great for Haas um especially since even though you know they're not trying to spend money on development this year it's just eating into their budget for next year so hopefully Mick and Nikita will be able to uh keep that together and not you know lose a lot of not have their team you know have to spend a lot lot more money on cars this season um that's something that they definitely i think Mick's had like what two or three shots this season already and Nikita has had just as many as uh Mick almost uh if i maybe maybe a couple less but definitely a lot of money going into uh parts production this for this year uh for the Haas team uh anything else regarding this weekend from your side Vedant well no i mean it was a fun weekend you know it was uh, after saturday no one expected rain and no one expected it to be uh, to no one expected the race to be so dramatic and we were we are all happy that it was dramatic because we saw Esteban Ocon win we saw Fernando Alonso defend against uh, Lewis Hamilton and Williams in points so a lot of a lot of great storylines coming out of uh, Hungary it's a uh, what a four week break now three week break so we'll uh, let's just start talk about that break <laughs> right now yeah. it's kind of depressing to not have formula 1 for four weeks straight but a lot of content coming out from our side and hopefully a lot of news and stories coming out from the F1 paddock over the course of the next month you know silly season is on um and uh, just just a little rules and regulations uh, update here uh we were supposed to have the pit stop rules and regulations 
the new ones, you know, in, reinforced in uh, during the Hungarian GP, but that has that had been pushed back to the Belgian GP. So we'll see those new pit stop rules and regulations come into play when the teams return in Spa in a month's time. So that'll be interesting to see how the teams, uh, you know, cope with those new rules and regulations that we couldn't see this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all from my side. Absolutely. I just, I just can't wait for, you know, Spa and Monza. Those are two of my favorite races on the calendar every year. And uh, this one month is going to be the longest one month um, of this year, like I said before, multiple, multiple times. But that doesn't mean that there isn't motorsport uh, throughout the next, uh, you know, next month or so. Uh, we have the Formula E season finale let's say season finale yes season finale i was trying to think of a word <laughs> we have the formula e season finale next weekend so you know stay tuned for that and we have indica coming back in two weeks uh the indica season is coming to a close it will be the first music city grand prix in nashville tennessee so big event for indica there so stay tuned for that too and we also have the 24 hours of le mans coming up uh in, in august i believe in I'm, three weeks yeah yeah so it's yeah i mean it's, i think it's in three weeks it's around that time only so yeah absolutely so a lot of racing uh you know during the f1 summer break uh but before we wrap up this podcast we wish a speedy recovery to jack aitken and david rigon as they were involved in a massive crash at the 24 hours of spa uh kevin Estre and frank Pereira, who were also involved uh but were cleared by the on-site medical center and our thoughts are also with the marshal and his family, um, the marshal who lost his life in a crash at Brands Hatch. You know, the marshals are underrated heroes of the racing world. They are the ones who allow us to go racing every weekend. And without the marshals, it would be impossible to, you know, have a safe racing environment every weekend uh, for all of us racing fans. So our thoughts uh, are with the marshal and his families. So right before we close, Vedant, just one last question. So a lot of drivers, and I especially, I especially saw this post from Callum Eilert, uh, and they've been calling for changes to the Radio Oruj corner uh, com- complex uh, to Spa. Now, that, that corner complex has been an iconic part of motorsport, not just Formula 1, motorsport in general. But we have definitely seen a lot of you know close calls and a lot of uh, horrendous crashes uh, at that particular corner over the last couple of years. So what are your thoughts on it? Uh, you obviously lost Antoine Hubert. Uh, you know, uh, in in that corner complex, we almost had uh, quite a few bad crashes. Previously, um, I'm not able to recall the name, and now this crash with Jack Aitken and David Rikon in that same corner complex. Uh, so what are your thoughts, Vedant? Well, see, it's one of the most iconic corners in Formula 1, as you said. In in motorsport, in motorsports itself, as you said, and I mean, any drastic changes would obviously upset a lot of fans. I believe there was a previous iteration of the of the layout, which was not as as fast, and you know it went a little left, and it was a slower section basically. So I I would be happy if that came back, and I mean if the to make any changes but i think it's more to do with you know today's cars and the amount of downforce that we have in today's cars not only formula one but every other series because in formula one oruj is almost flat out the the radio oruj section is almost flat out in you know lemo and in all uh, sorry in uh vec prototype racing in gt racing the level of aerodynamic uh, capability in these cars is too high and this corner is a historic historic corner from ages ago so i think that is the balance here and obviously these these drivers yeah, want to go as fast as you they know, can safety but, comes first i mean so that, that is risky do to you know make racing safer uh without without you know um damaging th- the quality of racing but obviously we don't if this corner has become too dangerous because we've seen We've seen, you know, uh, changes made to tracks like Imola over the years because of, you know, dangerous corners. So this won't be the first time that this will be happening. But, uh, you know, if that is what is required yeah, to, you know, true. make racing safer at uh, at Spa, uh, then so be it, you know. Let's let's make those changes. Let's make racing safer so we can go racing more often without, you know, as much of a worry um, about, you know, major accidents like these. But, yeah, any other thoughts from you, Vidan, before we close this podcast? Um, no, I mean, yeah, that's all from my side. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you, Vedant, for joining me once again here at Motorsport Bedhug. Um, it's almost been an hour since we started talking, and you know that's a long, long time. I think probably the longest podcast yeah. so far. So hopefully you had a great time and. To our listeners, stay tuned for more motorsport content. We will be talking about, you know, we'll be reviewing the first half of the season. We will be talking about each of the teams in detail. We'll be talking about the silly season. And we will definitely be covering uh, the Formula E season finale and in some of IndyCar and WEC coming your way. So stay tuned for all the motorsport action on Motorsport Better. Thank you and we'll catch you next week.